This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Today we have something completely different. Joining me as co-presenter for this one show only is the man who presents the wildly exciting sex show on Cliff Central on a Friday. He is the only person on Cliff Central to have brought a woman to orgasm live on air. And most of the time I make my guests go, but John T makes his come. Our special guest today and uh, sitting with me at the controls is Jonty Searle. Jonty, what do you call yourself? Uh, conscious sexuality practitioner. There you go. I call you a sex therapist, but it's wrong. Well, that's a very clinical title. My background isn't clinical. Okay, so, so. today, Jonty, our show is uh, about sex at work. And uh, we have uh, you as a studio expert on the sex part. And we have our specialist labor lawyer, attorney, Johan Burtis. He's a partner at Johannesburg law firm, Baker McKenzie. Now, they're one of the biggest in the world. Uh, we just hope they'll enjoy this as well and not be too prudish because it is slightly uh, salacious, if I may use that term. Very well, a warm welcome to you, Johan Burtis. Thank you very much, Gary. Thank you, John. Baker McKenzie, one of the largest uh, law firms in revenue and numbers and people. That is true. Very proud yeah. of that. Thank you. This is a further show in a series in which we collaborate with Legal Talk South Africa with their 133,000, I think it is, members. Uh, on our side, our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. If you have a moment, just take a quick look and give us a like. And our Twitter handle, at Hertz Law. John T., let me tell you what I read here. 39% of co-workers masturbate at the office. According to a survey, Time Out New York. Yes. I mean, is that, what, you, what were they talking about here? I mean, 39% of co-workers masturbate at the office. Well, it's probably higher than that because those are the people <laughs> who would admit to it. I mean, it's, where, where's this done? In the, what, when and where? Well, it would be in the bathroom. It would be if people have private offices. It would be in copy rooms. It would probably be almost anywhere people could. I mean, when you think about, I mean, it's a crazy thought. When I saw this, I thought, nah, it's not possible. But, I mean, New York, New York Times is not going to uh, easily print something if it's not quite true. Listen to this one. According to a report in New York Post, masturbating at work is a doctor-approved st- uh, stress reliever. Yeah. So if you think about the fact that, that from a point of view of conscious sexuality, there's a very different shift 
in perspective on sexuality. Mm. So what our society has generally done is put sex in this very, in this little box that's totally separate to the rest of our lives. We take it out in very specific circumstances and context. We use it and we put it away again. It's not integrated into the rest of us. So the first thing is that sex is a phenomenal stress reliever. It's better for you than smoking. It's better for you than a whole lot of stress medications. It's better for you than junk food. The second thing is that your sexual energy and your creative energy are the same thing. So if you can learn to build up some sexual energy, it's going to give you this amazing creative boost. Mm. So it requires quite a mind shift, but it's something that people are doing anyway. So let's put it in, in a context of, in a positive context or an expansive context rather than the judgmental place that we generally look at it. I'm looking around at the Cliff Central offices here. I think half our staff have gone looking into the bathroom to see who's there because there could be 39% of us uh, sitting somewhere. Yeah, well, we need to have a chat with Gareth and say, you know, where are we going to build this little masturbation chamber and what sort of stimulation is going to be in it for people? Could. I mean, the question is, could uh, masturbation breaks uh, become company policy? And and do we think that wank breaks should become the new smoke breaks? <laughs> Johan Boertus, uh, what's your labor law um, impression on this one? Look, I mean, we've, we've drafted many a smoking policy, uh, you know, in, 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 in my time as a, as a, a practicing attorney. Um, I've never been requested to uh, to do uh, a masturbation policy, to be frank. <laughs> um, and I, with, you know, I'm, I'm sure John T is going to um, spread his magic, but I I just don't see that catching on in the short term. Um, so I think the difficulty, generally speaking, um, in in trying to to encompass, you know, uh, the, the the positive benefits. Of what you're advocating is that within the workplace, people should still be, you know, be free to engage with one another and feel comfortable. And I, I think where an employer is legitimately able to draw the line is, you know, where you are doing things that make other people really uncomfortable and would either not want them to come to work if, uh, or, uh, uh, or to, you know, that will stop you from being able to attract the right talent because of what people do within their workplace. So in my view, I mean, what you do in the privacy of your own office or with the cubicle or uh, with, within the bathroom uh, as, as an employer, I don't have a difficulty with that at all. But do, do take regard or have regard at least for your colleagues and the, the fact that everybody may have different sensitivities and, and, and issues, you know, so uh, the manner in which I, you know, have, eat my, eat my, my, my boiled egg in the morning, you know, may cause offense to somebody else. So certainly the, there are issues that I could do within the workplace in relation to taking matters in my own hands, you know, that, um, that may cause offense. Yeah. I, I get you, Johan, but let's expand that a little bit and let's play devil, devil's advocate for a moment to say that there are people, for example, who are soon going to be able to smoke marijuana at work the way our laws are going. And a lot of people are going to take serious offense to that. There are people who are going to be using other drugs during work. Um, who are engaged in, in all sorts of other activities. So why don't we bring this into a space of, of positivity? Because it's something that everybody's doing. So let me, let me ask you, how do you see this playing out in practice? Well, that's a good question. And I personally have absolutely <laughs> no idea other than you would need an area. You know, bathrooms are actually not all that private. And especially when it comes to noise and things. Yes. So, 
bathrooms are probably not going to work. But I know companies who have what they call children's for their staff. Um, you well, know? No, I, I guess you couldn't go into a chill room and start masturbating. No, you couldn't. But yeah. what, ha- what would happen if you had like little pods where people could go on Netflix and chill? Could, that's it, with whatever stimulation it is that they wanted. Yeah. Um, and if you had an area for it and it was kind of sanitized and then you'd need to regulate things like clean up and wash your hands and all <laughs> sorts of things. So the mind boggles at it. But I was in Mozambique recently and when we came back from – Crossing the border, there was a whole thing in in the men's toilet about how to wash your hands, step by step, that somebody got paid a fortune for yes. to write a whole list and, and print the posters. Was it a Gupta-owned company or, you know? It was just at the border post. Uh, okay. Might be because it yeah. was government border. Yes. So you'd how have to wash your hands. Yeah. So you'd have to have a whole kind of policy like that as to what it would involve <laughs> and everybody would need to to buy into the policy and obey the rules. There was an article I read to both our guests here. I, I don't know whether it's fake news or not. It was on news.com uh, Australia, I think. They said this year the company Hot Octopus came up with masturbation booths across New York City to give men a public place to relieve stress. Instead of reacting with disgust, women wanted to know where their masturbatoriums were. Why should men have all the fun? Is it fake news or not? That's what I read. There you go. They're going to come with these masturbatoriums. Masturbatoriums, yeah. yeah. It's quite a nice term. It's an it? old Roman word. <laughs> um, Is it really? Yeah, and it was actually, that was its purpose. They had them? People went Yeah, in? yeah. Uh, okay. That was we learned purpose. something, Johan. Yeah. yeah. No, look, um, <clears throat> I, th- I think... You know, the, our, our view of the workplace is expanding. You know, um, things happening in the workplace that 10 years ago would have been frowned upon. You know, I mean, we're probably going to touch on the issue of, you know, where does, where does pornography fit in all of this? Mm. And, uh, and there's no doubt in my mind that as the, the, the moral values of society shift, so we need to keep uh, track with that within the workplace. And, and in fairness, I think in many instances, the workplace is on the forefront. Of, of changing how we view things. I mean, if you look at the way in which Google have their offices, for instance, it's, it's, it's completely changed our perception of what a modern uh, office environment mm. should, look, should look like. Mm. So what's going to happen 10 years from now? Who knows? You know, how would those offices be and what would… The uh, offices may be the masturbatoriums in exactly, future. Exactly. With some inter- yeah. Johan, you mentioned something about smoke breaks. If I may ask you quickly, what's the law on that? Are, are people entitled to a smoke break or is that nonsense? No. So, th- so there's no entitlement to a, to a smoke break. I think generally speaking within the, within the confines of buildings, there are strict regulations as to where you can and can't smoke. Mm. Employees don't have a right to say, listen, I demand that I go out and go on smoke break now. I think within most working environments, there's an appreciation that people who are addicted to smoking you know, mm. need to be able to go outside and have a smoke every now and then. Uh, where we would advise clients to draw the line is where this, the behavior of employees become disruptive to the workplace. So, for instance, if I'm a if I'm a, uh, uh, an uh, open heart surgeon, you know, I can't freaking stop the, the, the surgery halfway just so that I can have a quick fag. Um, in certain environments, it, it just doesn't lend itself to people disrupting what they're doing in order to go and have a cigarette. We have people yeah. in our offices that uh, the, the couple of women that I know are smokers, they go out seven, eight times a day uh, for 10 minutes a time. Yeah. You work out the time that's been wasted. Um, yeah, I suppose uh, we could put an end to that. If, I, I think, and uh, legitimately, you can say because because this causes all sorts of issues. Not just if if you're a non-smoker with you as a non-smoker, but with other colleagues. They're saying, "Hang on, I'm slaving to the grind here, and my colleague on the desk next to me, every every w- once an hour for ten minutes, you know, he or she goes up and steps outside and do other things." 
the smokers may say to you, but hang on, I don't socialize, you know, with the, with the other PAs at their desks for half an hour a day, you know. So if you really want to do time and motion and see who's the mo- most productive, we can have a look at that. I think every manager should manage it with discretion and say to, to that subordinate, listen, I think what you're doing here is disruptive and you're mm-hmm. not getting your work done as a result of the fact that you're spending either too much time outside smoking or socializing or yakking or doing other or, things. Or, that and, and work an extra mm-hmm. hour, whatever time you're taking. Correct. Correctly. I mean, if, if I was, if I was a really keen smoker, I would be the first to volunteer and say, listen, I need to do this. I need to do this every hour. I'm willing to work through my lunch hour, work for an extra hour, start earlier, but please accommodate me in doing this. We have a question mm-hmm. From Kimberly, uh, she wrote on Legal Talk South Africa. She says, is watching pornography at the office during working hours on the office computer and using the office internet grounds for immediate dismissal? Just let me ask Jonti, is this very common that people are sitting and watching porn? Absolutely, because if you have open access to the internet, then people are going to do that at some point. What's the legal answer to this one? Yeah. So an employer is allowed with, uh, within a workplace to create the rules and policies that it needs in order for its business to succeed. So mm-hmm. as an employer, I can say, for instance, when you use my network, my system, um, I don't want you to access it for any non-work-related purposes. And this is typically what was the case 10, 15, 20 years ago when the Internet just started. You were not allowed to access Gmail accounts. You, uh, well, no, at those days, we probably didn't have Gmail accounts. Mm. But you're not allowed to use the, the Internet or your, uh, your emails for non-work-related purposes. Subsequently, I've seen a, a, a gradual shift where employees are allowed reasonable private use of the work systems and the work computers. Um, many employers, as a matter of fact, most, I'm not, uh, I'm not familiar with any one employer that has a very laissez-faire attitude towards pornography on its systems, um, say that you're not allowed to access pornography sites. And I had a discussion with our IT manager about this to try and understand from an IT perspective what the issue is. And what he explained to me is that apart from the bandwidth issue, so if you've got a sufficient bandwidth, it's not going to make a difference. And he was saying to me that YouTube is actually more of a problem in most workplaces than what pornography mm. would be because people are streaming YouTube mm. and they're watching videos, listening to, to music, yes. and that takes up a significant part of the bandwidth. Um, so we've moved on technology-wise that bandwidth is not the issue anymore. But there are various other difficulties with uh, porn sites, you know, the wares that may be sold, how it will, what they call it, clickbait. You know, you'd click on a on a, on a on a on an article or salacious um, pop-up, and that'll take you to other pop-ups. And from an employer's perspective, before you know, the employer spent two, three hours, you know, surfing the, the, the porn website. And it's not the issue of surfing the porn website, in my respectful opinion, that, that causes difficulty, but... You are here on my dime. I'm paying you to can provide I, me with a service. Sorry, Johan, no, at yeah. lunchtime, can I sit on my com- at my computer, which is the office computer, and uh, check out porn? No, I, I, generally, and I think employees should take this as a takeaway. You know, yeah. whilst the the norms may change, and we may get to that point in future, at the moment, in most workplaces, the answer would be categorically no for a couple of reasons. Firstly, there's typically a policy in the workplace that will prohibit you from doing that. So mm-hmm. when you log onto the system, there may be something that says you're not allowed to access websites that are not authorized or words to that effect. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it could still cause discomfort to other colleagues. So if you're in an open plan environment, you're sitting there with a, with a large screen in front of you and you're watching pornography, I mean, mm-hmm. understand who else is walking past you. There may be clients walking past you. There may be colleagues walking past you. And you may have a, a specific uh, uh, view on pornography, but not everybody would share that. Mm-hmm. And again, coming back to this general obligation that you should not do things in the workplace that cause offense or create a hostile working environment for other people, you know, that will give the, your employer cause to take action against you. Just, yeah. the, just the end, sorry, Johnny, just one quick one. 
Is that grounds for immediate dismissal or do they have to go through a disciplinary? How would that one work? No. Every employee, no matter what the, the offense, has a right to be taken through some sort of a preceding process and yes. it need not be a Nuremberg trial. Yeah. But there must be a, an opportunity where the employee is allowed to, not, to, to, to state a case and to, um, to answer the, the, the allegations against them. But it would be around, around uh, grounds for termination in most instances that mm-hmm. I'm aware of. I think the thing about that for people to acknowledge more than anything else is because of the nature of pornography is that people are going to want to react to the stimulation, which would require a level of privacy. Mm. So people do watch porn at work, there's no question. But if you want to engage in anything with yourself, with a partner, it's a stimulus for something else. There's something I wanted to ask you, uh, John T. Uh, The uh, Harvey Weinstein caught up in this whole Mm. sex thing. And others before him have claimed that they are sex addicts and they're going for, uh, to rehab clinics in Europe or somewhere. Is there such a thing as a sex addict and are there clinics? Yes, there, there are clinics, but a lot of, a lot of the thinking is that actually there is no such thing as sex addiction and it's yeah. simply an excuse for a whole lot of other behaviors. So there's, so that's nonsense. So it's a way to try and get off. Yeah, more than anything else. You go to a lawyer and say, hey, you know, I've got a problem. I'm a drug addict. I'm a sex addict or whatever it is. The same thing. Instead of fully understanding our sexuality within ourselves, the place that it plays in our society, and learning about our own sexuality. Where do these people land up when they say they go to sex clinics? They go to some… It'll be a rehab center, a rehab clinic. Yeah. And it's an industry that's been created from nothing, essentially. Also… Johan, you may want to take this one. More than one in ten employees has admitted to having sex with a co-worker in the workplace. One in ten. The question to you is, assuming there's security footage on this one of a couple having sex at work, could they be fired? Is that proof on its own? Just That's all there is. There's only a security footage. No one else saw it. Yeah. I think when it comes to sex at work, the 11th commandment is essential. You know, thou shalt not get caught. Mm. Uh Again, let's, let's accept even that there's no specific workplace rule that says you're not allowed to have intercourse with a colleague on the premises. I mean, just under this general banner of your duty to act in good faith with your employer, I think an employer would have cause to, to uh, potentially terminate your services. If there's CCTV footage, you know, I, I know of people who got caught in boardrooms, you know, um, uh, having having intercourse with with a colleague, and that was the cause of their termination. Um, in other instances, you know, it, it it really depends on the on the environment, the 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 position of the people. If if there are two employees engaged in a consensual relationship, mm. you know, and they happen to do it within the privacy of an of of their office, yes. Um, but somehow, you know, they they get caught on a CCTV camera. You know, I would hate to think that that act in its own should give rise to their termination. But again, it's easy for me to say. Let's say, for instance, you are, you are uh, the minister in the, in the NG church, you know, and the CCTV footage in the church catches you. This is Exactly. That'll be a proper scandal, you know. Yeah. So that'll be different from, you know, if you're working at Teasers, for instance, yeah. I would like to think. Jonty, mm-hmm. we know that you made a woman orgasm in this very studio in which we're sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, is that available on film? On video, where, where can people see that? Uh, we do have a video, but it's really explicit, um, so it's not. Was it available. was it put up anywhere or no, no, no? At the moment, it's just sitting there. Somewhere. Is it is it someone you? I mean, may I ask you these questions? Of course. Is it a, is it the lady you, you made her orgasm? Yeah. using your manually using yes. your hand. Um, was do you know this woman? 
I had never met her before. She is a very sexually adventurous person. She heard about what we were doing. She wanted to have the experience Mm. and offered her body. What was the reaction from the Cliff Central listeners and the people at Cliff Central? How did they feel? It was mostly really positive uh, because of the context that we put it in, that it wasn't – there was a point to it. There was a purpose. It wasn't for the sake of. What was the point? So the point was it was International Orgasm Day. Okay. And it was very much about freeing sexuality and showing what's possible. And the fact that we have this amazing platform here at Cliff Central with freedom to say if we can do something in a space that's respectful, that's honoring, um, and not to repeat it ad nauseum for the sake of, Mm. it becomes incredibly um, it opens the door for people to have experiences, not necessarily to that degree, but to say t- for people to acknowledge, I'm normal. I have these desires. This excites me. Yes. And I can accept that that's a part of me. And maybe I can explore more of that. Have you seen this person since? Yeah, she's actually Did she been fall on, in love with you? No, she's actually <laughs> been on a couple of shows. Uh, with um, you? With, yeah. On your, on your sex show? Absolutely. Which is on a Friday, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You've got a massive o'clock. listenership. We do. I mean, you're always yeah, in the top five of Cliff Central or whatever, top two. Well, or, everybody wants to know about sex. It's, yeah. it's one of the most fascinating parts of life. Yeah, that's why there's so much porn. But, you know, we've become in South Africa, mm. we've become one of the, the, the most frequent users of, uh, of porn. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's a lot of problems in that by itself. There's the freedom aspect is really important. Freedom of the press, freedom of, of viewing. Um, that's really important. But there are a lot of problems that come from porn, particularly with young people and where that's becoming their prime model mm. for sexual behavior and sexual, and sexual learning. Where porn is fantasy. You know, it's like you watch Bruce Willis blow up buildings in the movie. Porn is fantasy. It's people acting. They're getting paid to act. That's what they are doing. John T., what do you do for a living? Uh, explain and how we come get to you. And uh, Okay, yeah. so I work with people with sexual and relationship problems, men and women and couples from all orientations, all backgrounds. Mm. Um, I teach a range of lessons and workshops that are about having – Better sex, more intimacy, more fun, more excitement. Do you teach men how to make their partners orgasm? Yes. Or the other way around? Absolutely. So the percentage of women who don't orgasm, depending on the research you read, is anywhere between 40 and 65%. Is that as a a result of the partner or is that their own? Total mixture. Mm. Some people don't know what they're doing, but it generally is about a woman herself. So she has to let go into orgasm. When, when you say they don't orgasm, do they not orgasm with their partner or they don't orgasm with them masturbating themselves? More women will orgasm through masturbation than with, with a partner. partner. Yeah. yeah. So we teach that. A lot of it's sexual technique. A lot of it's about intimacy. Mm. And a lot of it is in the field of Tantra, of Eastern sexuality, the connection between sex and spirituality. Um, we have a whole range of, of DVDs for people to learn things at home. And every Friday morning at 10 o'clock, I'm sitting where you are. Uh, your, your show is, mm. is, as I said, very well received. Do you get any hate mail or negative mail from people who say you're, uh, yeah, you're a bit off the wall? You, yeah, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. That comes up. And when you're in this world and in this field, you don't care, that's do a given. You? That's, no, it's somebody's mm. perspective. Um, they are very welcome to it. Yeah. Um, we get quite a lot of that from religious people. Um, but we're in an open platform that we try and, and cover as respectfully as possible, but as honestly as possible. Johan Burtis is one of the top labor lawyers in South Africa. He's very, very well received and acknowledged. 
I, I spoke to Jan before we did this show. I said, listen, do you want to get involved in this? Because it has an element of sex and mm. being salacious and kind of off, you know, off beams as such. Johan, what uh, did you have to speak to anyone about that, or did you just say, "No, I'm doing this"? Well, uh, um, I have provisionally started preparing a defence for my disciplinary <laughs> inquiry. You know, should that ever become necessary? No, but you've but been well behaved here. Yes, you oh, have. Yes, you yeah. very, you've kept your hands right out of your pants. <laughs> yeah. Actually, very Johan said to me earlier. He said when we we're going to talk masturbation, what did you say? Uh, you want to get your hands? What? Yeah. No. Well, when we discuss yeah. taking matters in your own hands, yeah. you know, there are certain things yeah. that you can and can't do within the workplace. You know, but I must say it's been fascinating listening to you and. There's no doubt about it that uh, I 100% agree that we can't compartmentalize our sexuality. Mm. You know, S- sex in the workplace is a, is real. We mm. deal with various aspects of it, mm. and I think if it's channeled positively and managed uh, managed appropriately, uh, I think it can play. It can add to our to our being. You know, as as, as human beings. What what I have seen, unfortunately, is where things go wrong within the yeah. workplace when, when you introduce sex in the workplace. And and that, as a labor lawyer, is concerning for me. And when we advise our clients, we try and say to them, how do you deal with these aspects so it, it, it doesn't become a problem? And that's when you're looking at, you know, when, where, where, whether you allow relationships within the workplace, you know. How do you deal with people who misbehave sexually at uh, at functions? You know, at the oh, it's time of the year for Christmas parties. Yeah, end of year functions again, you know. There's going to be body shots and all that kind of stuff. As a manager, if you're witnessing one of your staff uh, giving body shots or receiving body shots, whatever it may be, or acting incorrectly, it's your duty as a manager to stop her. Absolutely, and, and especially and, when she's getting a bit intoxicated, yeah. And I, 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 I'm, I'm so glad you raised the issue because yeah. I think, um, you know, we we've seen this uh, this this, this uh, hashtag Me Too campaign. Um, you know, at Bakers, we're very proud of an initiative that we uh, call uh, Him for Her, yeah. where we say to the men out there in the environment, it's up to us as well to to start speaking for for women who feel that they 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 don't have um, a voice within the workplace. You know, if you're seeing things like that going wrong in the workplace, stand up and be counted. It's not the the, the victim's responsibility. Solely to say, listen, um, uh, I, I, I need to speak up and I need to do something about it. Uh, as a manager, if you if you're a male manager in that type of environment, you can see things going wrong with one of your um, uh, f- female colleagues. Then stand up and, and say, listen, this sort of behaviour is not acceptable. Mm. I, I do not uh, appreciate the fact that you're treating one of my subordinates like that. You know, this mm. sort of thing should it's not happen. And that's what a lot Absolutely. of men have gotten involved in this Me Too campaign that mm. came out of the Harvey mm. Weinstein thing, where a lot of men are firstly acknowledging the times when they were inappropriate, but also being supportive of women in this. Um, And it's really important. And part of it comes from understanding the place that our sexuality has in our lives. And then we can look at it in, in, in a fuller context, bringing the law in, bringing the social context in, instead of seeing it in a vacuum, which we've done for so long. And that's the problem. When people come to you for the very first time, John T, they're very shy and awkward um, because they're having problems, mm. obviously. They come right eventually, I guess, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, and we and, talk. And First session, we talk. Yeah. Find out what people are looking for. I explain the framework that I put everything in, the way that I work. It's not necessarily a journey for everybody. It could be regarded as creepy to some, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. So my yeah. policy is I work in that way because you have to be comfortable with me and I have to be comfortable with you. Mm. So I choose who I work with. Yeah, and that way we can have successful journeys. Yeah, I think a person like you, and I'm not punting for you unduly, mm. but I really believe there are a lot of people that need assistance. Yeah, when it comes to the bedroom, 
And there's an enormous yeah. amount of pain caused by sex. In fact, more relationships end directly or indirectly through sexual issues yeah. than any other single issue. Is money also one of the issues? Yeah, that one of the top ones, sex and money. Sex and money. When sex is bad and money's bad, then you've got no chance. And they're very yeah. linked because when, yeah. when we lose that basic intimacy, then we've lost the space of being able to deal with other issues and problems. And can people still be very us. intimate after many years of marriage? That's, of course, it can yeah. get even better. Fantastic. That's yeah. the power. Yeah, that's 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 important to know. Mm. A lot of people feel they need to move on and find some trading their wife for two younger chicks. No, right? no, no. That's where things can really be amazing and exciting with that love. You can build the most incredible relationship. That's this lifelong journey of exploration of pleasure and growth and excitement. Mm. Been interesting, Johan. Both sides. We've we've had the law. We've had the sex. Been lovely discussion. This. Yeah, no, really I'm, enjoyed it. I'm not sure how we're going to top this. I mean, what, <laughs> what are we going to discuss next? I've got an idea. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk. I've enjoyed being with you, Jonty. Thanks Thank so you, much Gary, for joining me. For and to Johan Burtis, it's been great. To you, our listener, um, you can go off into the cubicle if you like. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening very much. I hope we didn't, you didn't find it creepy, but I'm sure you didn't. It was very interesting from my side, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.